five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier podcast for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I'm Chris at Lake Forest, joined as always virtually by Omni and Omni Strife. Welcome, Omni, to the big show. You want to have your mind blown right now? Yes, please. Overwatch League is five weeks away. I'm just doing the math on my head and you're right. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I just realized this tonight and say wow it's already halfway through march isn't april wasn't april that month that looked so far away for us for all eternity well you know it's funny you mentioned this because it's a matter of perspective like i was thinking as i was sort of putting the show notes together that this might be a light episode uh which is okay because we actually have a a pretty phenomenal guest uh, joining us uh, Mariessa uh, Dominica is an esports lawyer. He's going to talk a little about the legal landscape of esports. We're going to touch on Overwatch League. But the uh, I was thinking that, man, we haven't seen a whole lot from the Overwatch League. It's been so quiet. Uh, the teams have obviously not been as active as we might hope. And I can't wait for the league to finally start. Yeah. And yet, I wasn't thinking it's five weeks away. I'm thinking, oh, we got months to go. It's always been like, whoa, it's years away. It's like that gif uh, from from Rose from the Titanic. It's been 84 years. Yeah, it it has. (laughs) Um, Speaking of the Titanic, going completely off the rails and not talking about esports, I saw someone released a a clip. I'm hoping it's real because deepfake technology is phenomenal these days. But it shows an alternate ending to the Titanic where instead of the... I'm going to spoiler alert ruin the end of the movie. Instead of the ring. The ship sinks. Yeah, the ship sinks. No, instead of the ring getting thrown to the deep, the ring is instead handed off to, uh, um, what's his name? The uh, tornado chaser. Oh, oh yeah, that, that blonde dude who she's telling the story to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen that one. Off the top of my... Anyhow, the alternate ending is that she gives him the ring and then everyone celebrates. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the worst ending possible now. I, that ruined the movie. I should Financially, have though. It. Financially, what? though. It's a, good, he... it's a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. He's rich with a, with a stinking, uh, you know special ring um but let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in our show today this week uh we're gonna talk a little bit about what's going on with the vancouver titans and the toronto defiant as you could probably predict a little more with one than the other we've got uh, marius join us uh, before we then dive into the fray where we've got a hot rumor the results of a tournament a new challenge live in the game and a huge massive ginormous gigabyte patch in uh in overwatch so overwatch 2 is uh is downloaded yeah it's, it's preloaded totally preloaded preloaded <laughs> it, it'll come in 2023 but they're preloading it right now uh you know what let's start pushing the payload moving the payload join me i'm not gonna say it's like big news but it's definitely news the toronto defiant have all of their players in toronto and not only that those players are now out of quarantine which we've kind of talked about on the show in previous episodes, but for those of you who uh, aren't in Canada, 
if you come into Canada, you're legally allowed to enter, which isn't a guarantee, but within these the context of the Overwatch League, the players were, you have to quarantine for two weeks before you're allowed out in the open. And when we talk about quarantine, it's essentially you in a box, like a room. Uh, you can be in a hotel room. You could be in your house. But you can't leave it. You can maybe open your windows. You, you can't communicate with others. If you have food, uh, it's delivered. You can't go to the grocery store. Like very, very strict quarantine rules. Well, the Toronto Defiant players are now out of quarantine. So they're able to go and experience nice. social distancing with other people as opposed to physically socially distant because of the four walls around you. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they haven't lost any ability to like interact with other humans at this point. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a problem considering they're all gamers. Um, <laughs> just, you know, just say the norm. That's the norm, the quarantine. Yeah. But uh, we know this because uh, Adam had shared a tweet. Um, it was actually about the weather in Toronto and how the players were out of quarantine, were able to go in and, and enjoy a real nice day in, in Toronto. Um, he had also uh, shared that the players themselves are, are in um, or were arriving to, I think it was like luxury apartments. Mm. I don't know if that was just to sort of talk up the team or the experience, but if we were to compare that to... Wow the luxury that the Vancouver Titans players had prior to this, uh, was it the reckoning last year? I don't think people would suggest yeah, that uh, they had luxury accommodations here. Well, with how real estate is in, in Toronto and Vancouver, any apartment is a luxury now. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they're currently living in luxury accommodation. It's like someone built a little wooden shack on the, <laughs> you know, lakefront and, that's that's all they can order. Does it have in ha in suite uh, laundry or uh, actually no? It's probably <laughs> shared laundry. They they've gotten like a scrub uh, with the rest of the street. And, yeah, <laughs> it, it's property values in Toronto and Vancouver are 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 nuts. But I, I introduced this the fact that the Defiant to have all of their players in Toronto that they're ready to go because in contrast, Vancouver, as far as we know, does not. Uh, we know Rolf is in town. Um, he has discussed this on a stream. Uh, he's currently in an apartment of which that he had to sort of find on his own, though the team is providing some help, which is kind of weird because many teams generally have a team house or if it's not a team house, sort of a team sort of you know, building accommodations. Sort of right. And it almost seems like the Vancouver Titans are like, no, nah, no. Nah, you know, we did that last time and we, we took heat for it. So now we're going to let the players find their own and we'll sort of help them with it for a bit. You find so, it, we pay for it. Well, that's the thing. Based on what Rolf had said in the stream, we pay for a bit of it. Oh. Which oh. that's that part sort of, you know, triggered me a little bit. Not to suggest mm -hmm. that I feel that players should be given accommodation. But when you are as an organization... Um, not giving your players accommodation, it's going to be difficult to attract really good players because other teams do. Like it's, you know, the total value of a deal you might provide. Um, we also know that Linkser has been trying to relocate. We don't know exactly where. He, uh, since our last episode, had to go to the state of California to get a passport. I'm going to presume it was to maybe renew a passport or possibly yeah. to deal with visa. Um, because he is not a U.S. citizen, so he would have to go to a consular office. Yes. Um, I know he was having to relocate from Houston because he was asking people if they wanted furniture, this being on Twitter. 
Um, but we don't know when the likes of Linkser will be coming. Uh, Fred Wainer tweeted out that he arrived at the team house. Uh, well, I'm going to say today we're recording on Tuesday. This episode goes live on Wednesday. And I don't know. Did you see the tweet on me? I saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this funky looking house with windows on the side and people this is how 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 sad the state of affairs are for the Vancouver Titans as an organization. People see that tweet and they honestly are like, I don't know if this is a joke or not. A plus add that it's a tweet from Fried Wiener, so it could be it's like a combination of the two. Right. So it's a match I mean, made in heaven. <laughs> As as I shared from from the RSP account, uh, I believe it is not true because had Fred Wiener known, he would have been su- suggesting that the team house is a Vancouver special, which is an actual house. It's a style of house that you see throughout Vancouver. Um, you can look it up on Wikipedia if you want. It's like one point five million dollars at least. Oh gosh, probably more than that if we're actually talking yeah, about certain areas of Vancouver. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. Um, but beyond that, we don't know what's going on with the Vancouver Titans. We Wait. might find out. Let me share the news. Let me try. I always wanted to do it. Let me try it today. Wait. That's it. Did it work? It, it totally worked, including the big nice. bong of you hitting the microphone. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the screen is too wide. Which, which in post... You'll just ha- edit it, edit that out, right? Oh yeah, I'll I'll totally look to, to edit that out. I'm totally a pro. I'll <laughs> magically be able to take the bong out without impacting the cricket. It, it was me hitting that uh, little jar of of uh, semi living um, crickets. Semi living crickets that you well, feed some of Jack. Them are still alive. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's it's weird. I'm, I, I've talked about this in, in past episodes that we're getting very little out of the Vancouver Titans. Like I went through their Twitter account. Um, we know that Tristan had tried something about uh, you know using your mouse to be more effective um, as a gamer, and he was providing advice. I thought that was actually kind of cool uh, mm-hmm. that he was doing that, and, and he was actually engaging with those that would that would respond for a period of time. Um, we've obviously seen the run of sort of memes and that uh, they've started this sort of whole Vancouver Canuck and Vancouver Titan comparison, which I, I like how they're exploring, you know, the brethren franchises under the same umbrella, but I can't understand the statistics as to which they're choosing and t- to compare with. Like there was one with Linkser, I think it was Linkser and Pedersen and it used like final blows for Linkser but then it used something like power play assists. Because the numbers were vaguely similar, I like, think. Yeah, but like the statistics themselves have absolutely no correlation. Like if you're comparing the numbers, yeah. I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. At best, I would consider a final blow to be maybe equivalent to a game-winning goal. Right. You could see that, right? Like got the kill or I got the win, right? The biggest similarity was their country of origin in the way. They're Which is bl- blonde hair. Yeah, and they, they come from, a, you know, the, the Scandinavian region of, right, of right, Europe, right, right. right? Different countries, though. Like, oh, it, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go and fault the Vancouver Titans for finally coming around and, and using this, but it still blows my mind that that's the best that they're able to do. Maybe they got some crazy stuff in the works. I'm not going to hold my breath. We've we've unfortunately now have seen them go two years without doing anything more than I think was it 
at the grand finals, they had, I think Adam Gaudet wish them luck, a Vancouver Canuck player. I think it was Adam Gaudet. Mm. I, 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 but the point being is I remember that something like that. There's well, some, you, you can tell how memorable that was. Yeah. There's cross promotion opportunities that they don't seem to use. Um, that said, we know that Vancouver Canucks players tend to be more in the Call of Duty realm, so it's possible we'll see something with the Seattle Surge before we see the Vancouver Giants. Anyhow, it is what it is. Right. Um, we'd probably get more from the Toronto Defiant, who do not have a relationship outside of maybe like in the business sense to organizations that might talk to each other with, let's say, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Mitch Marner is actually uh, a partner with uh, Overactive, uh, and as a result, I could... I could totally see the Toronto Defiant and Mitch Marner, you know, hanging out together, you know, see the Defiant player skate and, you know, Marner, you know, play, you know, main tank or something like that. I could totally see Toronto Defiant doing something that before we ever saw anything from the Vancouver Titans. Agreed. What can I say? Yeah. Um, Other big news coming out of Toronto is the new community hero, Vith Raldor, who is a well-deserved community hero. Another person who is big within the Toronto Defiant community, you'll see her uh, talk uh, on a regular basis within uh, Defiant Discord, welcoming people, engaging those who who look to participate in the conversation. And it simply continues to reinforce how awesome the Defiant community happens to be. I think the Vancouver Titans community is an awesome one. But there's no comparison in what's going on within Defiant Discord and that Defiant community. Despite the best efforts of those here in Vancouver and the community that are are trying their darndest to help pull the Vancouver Titans ahead, it's just difficult when, you know, for, for those of us in the Titans community who are trying to pull, we're trying to drag something that is anchoring itself as you know strongly as it can to the ground whereas when you look at the toronto defiant they're like what can we do to help the community become a bigger community right yeah i imagine like a small campfire and you know the 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 branches and leaves are kind of wet it's really hard to get to spark and lit up and on the other hand you have like this grill master with uh, 17 functions and and uh, it's tied to your home network. That's kind of like, <laughs> I see the comparison right now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to throw another, uh, you know, analogy out uh, with the Toronto defiant community. It's like being invited to a party where the person who, you know, is throwing the party is the community, but they're using the house of a good friend who's totally like, yeah, the fridge is full. I can run out and get drinks. I'll make sure the snacks are, let's have a heck of a rager. And on the Vancouver Titan side, the community was invited to come to the Titans house, but they actually made alternative plans and are late <laughs> to open the door. Uh, wah, wah, wah. I know we're, we're bitter and probably will remain to, to be until such time as we, we see life. Because as my, my show notes uh, said, the Titans continue to dot, dot, dot exist. exist. So that's all we got in the Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans for now. Obviously, you want to stay tuned to, to future episodes as more and more news gets broken. If it's huge news, we might have a special episode between now and two weeks from or alternatively, you'll always see it to discuss on social media. But we're going to take ourselves a short break before we bring Mary in. Uh, he will be able to describe the legal landscape uh, to those of us who are not lawyers. Come out and face me! 
As we mentioned earlier in the show, we are joined with a very special guest. We have Marius Adomnica, an esports lawyer, joining us to talk a little bit about the legal landscape uh, in regards to esports. We'll touch on uh, Overwatch League, sort of in the general sense. Uh, but welcome to the show, Marius. Glad to be here. Awesome. I mean, for those that don't know, uh, Marius is uh, located here in Vancouver. He has come out to Vancouver Titans watch parties. That's how I first uh, was intro introduced to him. And uh, I thought, uh, what a fabulous guest to get on the show, especially someone who knows what they're talking about, where he is. Like Omni and I, we're, we're just two wonks that, you know, make up stuff as we go. Can you remind me what a watch party is, please? I uh, seem to recall some vague memory of people, you know, gathering at a spot physically. Long time ago. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but before we, we dive into the topic at hand, normally we save this sort of the end of guest segments, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it up front. Uh, what's your favorite video game? Because I know you're a gamer. So what is your favorite? Uh, all time. It's tough to say. Um, honestly, to be honest, I usually give us a Battlefield 2. It's just a bit random. Okay. Just uh, I played a lot, you know, when I was like 19, 20, and just that game stuck out for me. Um mm -hmm. It's a bit of a random one, but yeah. No worries. I mean, uh, Battlefield's more my jam as opposed to Call of Duty, which is sort of the, <laughs> the competitor or similar title. Uh, I find Call of Duty too frenetic, but like I like the, the broad spectrum of multiplayer in, in Battlefield. I can play the objective because that actually exists. Um, plus the story is phenomenal. Like, uh, Battlefield Bad Company still holds a very special place in my mm -hmm. heart. Yeah, I actually remember back in the day, like before esports or even a thing, thinking like, you know, it would be kind of cool to have like like when I'm big like 32 on 32 battle that you can like broadcast. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't think even now uh, esports is ready for that. But I'd like <laughs> to see some uh, some uh, esports battlefield going on. But. Well, and oh, yeah, 32 v 32 esports uh, would be <laughs> would be something. Broadcast. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine the casters trying to bounce from you know thirty some odd individuals yeah. back and forth. And, and getting to that one person who's camping point E. <laughs> I think a lot of the viewers would be confused as well. They're like, what is this weird battle royale thing? Like, why are people not afraid of the circle? Where is the circle? Yeah, no kidding. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the legal landscape as it uh, pertains to, to esports. Um, as you know, we've touched on in on previous shows, um, esports is sort of a more recent phenomena, obviously, if we consider it to, in, as part of the sporting world, uh, but it's one that's really been built up by the the developers and really the the IP holders of the various games at at play. Um, whereas in with the traditional sports that uh, we've you know come to watch, many of us might do. Um, we talk about you know hundreds of years of of organization and functionally like I'll I'll use soccer which is the the sport that's you know close to my heart it's called the beautiful game it's international and really there's this overarching body but there is a ton of of precedent and and functional case law I would imagine as it pertains to soccer specifically but also sports so being at esports is is quite new I'm going to sort of ask straight up is there much, you know, case law or is there maybe a need to, to develop some? No, in terms of actual case law, I mean, there's really almost nothing that I'm aware of. No cases that are esports specific that relate to mm -hmm. sports. Um, there are, you know, 
every sport has its own sort of structure that governs how it works. Um, even in the NHL, there's not a lot of case law. I think a lot of it is just based on the, the CBA and the players and the owners negotiating and creating a structure and contracts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And that's starting to be developed for esports. Um, like the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League have sort of a structure themselves. There's the, there's the league, there's individual teams, and that develop contracts with the league that specify, you know, revenue sharing, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. there is that structure in place, even if there isn't, you know, actual case law. Case law just means, you know, there hasn't been a dispute big enough that want somebody wants to spend a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time to actually take it to court. Sure. So I guess on, on that noting, to, to use the NHL as an example, you have this collective agreement between the players or the representatives in the NHLPA uh, with the NHL as a league sort of on behalf of the owners of the individual teams. Um, with Overwatch, we don't really have that level of maturity. I mean, it's a new league, so there isn't this sort of unified body of players uh, or a representative as such that would negotiate. And we've seen in some instances that uh, the league has, has iterated on the fly. I mean, last year was a good example with the pandemic. It obviously impacted uh, esports almost as, as equally as it did with the traditional sports landscape. The difference being esports was able to get back online uh, in, in, in quick sense, but we, we did see, struggles with some of the teams. One of the common, um, I would say, uh, suggestions from the the fan side of the spectrum, the players need a union, the players need an association. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that solve that type of issue? Does that suddenly introduce the, the need to negotiate? I mean, as you mentioned, there is limited case law. So arguably, why would the league may want to even go down that path? Yeah, I, I don't think at this point it really solves uh, anything. I think, you know, the biggest issue of any sports league right now is just getting the league stable and mm-hmm. getting a stable source of revenue and making it like a sort of making it operate long term. Um, and right now, like the Call of Duty League is seeing like a lot of, up, oh, sorry, the Call of Duty League mm-hmm. are seeing a lot of upheaval. Like there's, stories right now about some of the owners are asking for some uh, debt forgiveness or not making money, et cetera, et cetera. But sort of, mm-hmm. There's enough problems right now about dealing with a union and <laughs> sort of yeah. the league. And I don't think uh, a union, if anything, is going to just come off of works even more for the owners and create some another issue. And honestly, I don't think there's enough money. The players aren't making enough money at this point where they're really need to go out and unionize. I, I'm, you know, if, when the average salary is like two or three million dollars and, you know, the league itself is making, you know, a billion dollars and you want to get a percentage of those revenues, sure. Um, at this point, I don't think things are mature enough yet for a union. Can I butt in here? Um, when we speak about maturity and we, we are obviously always comparing to leagues like, uh, I don't know, the NHL, NBA and uh, soccer, it's not like... I think, yeah, of course, we're lagging behind in esports, but we're also we also have the advantage of seeing how these traditional sports kind of formed up because it's not like the NBA invented best basketball and or, or FIFA invented soccer and they uh, and like a three pointer is not copyrighted by uh, uh, by the NBA. So 
these leagues essentially took centuries, literally centuries, to come to the spot where they are, these well-oiled machines. And in a way, I think that esports, not even like the business owners or the franchises, but even the players are way more, I wouldn't say smarter, but they definitely, uh, you know, growing up in the age of information, have access to all this uh, wonderful information. And they kind of like work ahead of the curve and, and predict all these issues that took uh, um, decades to the traditional sports to kind of catch up with. So I think that's kind of like a challenge and an advantage uh, in itself. Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, it's, this has been done before. Uh, you're right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, knowing what to do and doing in practice are sort of two different things. Right. I think getting all the players on board and getting them all to push for a union. And I mean, they could do that tomorrow in theory. If they all decide to unionize and sign their union cards. I mean, I'm not a labor lord, but I'm sure they'd have the ability to do that. But in practice, uh, I don't know, whatever players are ready for that fight, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, especially, I think, like, one kind of weird difference between esports and traditional sports is that actually the careers in esports are a lot shorter than mm-hmm. in uh, traditional sports, surprisingly. Well, not surprisingly. And, you know, if you get into, like, a long, like, year or two battle over forming a union uh, and you're losing earnings during that period, like, if you're an esports player, you're lost. You're losing potentially, you know, like half your career or something. So, I don't know if any of them have like the stomach for that. Uh, yeah. Especially, and again, you're not fighting over, you know, millions of dollars per player at this point. That's the other issue. It's... To sort of, you know, take something that uh, struck me from what uh, Omni had mentioned is that with like soccer, you know or football, as it might be known outside North America, uh, there's a variety of different leagues. In fact, new leagues start up, new leagues fail regularly, I would suggest. But when we look at esports, the games that are being played are really, you know, intellectual property owned by a an entity, let's say with, with Overwatch owned by Activision Blizzard. And we have seen where Activision Blizzard sanctions and doesn't sanction uh, competitive play in some sense. And that's quite a bit different. If I wanted to start up a, a soccer league here in Vancouver, I could. There's obviously a whole lot of challenge in front of me, but I don't imagine I'm hearing from Major League Soccer or the Canadian you know, Premier League or any of these, these associations unless I start going after you know, their specific property names of teams or, or what have you. So is that something that, that <clears throat> is uncharted or is this just sort of more on the business side where because it is operated more as an extension of that brand that they can flex that muscle? It, it absolutely is something that is uh, uncharted compared to regular to traditional sports. Like I think this is, that's the core difference between traditional sports and esports. With traditional sports, you know, nobody owns soccer, nobody owns hockey. You know, I, if I, I can go and, like you said, I can go and create my own competing league to the NHL tomorrow if I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, if the NHL, like, starts treating half the teams in the league badly, they can break off and form their own league, um, et cetera. Yeah. With esports, you can't. Literally anything you do with that IP is at the at the mercy of Activision Blizzard, whoever owns the game. So I, if half the teams in the Overwatch League don't like how Blizzard's treating them, too bad. You can't go 
start your own league. You can't do anything else. You have essentially no leverage. Mm-hmm. And the same applies to the players. The players might actually have more leverage if they unionize than the teams are running cleanup, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually probably not a good thing for esports. So, you know, traditional sports, the leagues we have now became what they are because of competition. In the start, there were, you know, lots of competing leagues. Mm-hmm. A league that put forward the best product, you know, won out in the marketplace through competition and, you know, we ended up with a better product in theory. Mm-hmm. Here, it's kind of, you you like what Activision Blizzard gives you or that's it. You don't too bad. There's no, there's no choice, essentially. There's no... There's no grassroots scene anymore. I mean, one thing that I thought was a bit underreported um, right after Overwatch came out is that there was really no grassroots league or no other tournaments because Blizzard knew it was going to start its own league. Mm-hmm. And basically, they weren't giving anybody else licenses to run tournaments. Uh, yeah. Nothing over 10 grand, no real significant tournaments. And because of that, there was no grassroots league. I think uh, when the league started up, they had like a notice like, you know, if you're on the top 0.5% of ranked players, you can apply uh, to be on a team, and that's because yeah. there's no there's no grassroots team out there to pick players from. It's, it's kind of a bit sad in a way, but yeah. yeah. The and I think you know on that point, when I look at again, I'm going to use soccer as an example. There's a reason why it's one of the most popular sports, traditional sports in the world. What is it that you need to play? A ball, like. That's, that's really all you need, space. Um, no one can come and say, you can't use this ball unless it's my ball and you try to steal it. But again, that's a whole different story. With with Overwatch or Call of Duty or League of Legends, the fact that it's considered intellectual property of a, of a business and they can dictate whether or not you're able to or you're able to use it in such a way that m- you monetize. Um, I agree, it does somewhat of a disservice because grassroots is what's going to make the league stronger. It's like the foundation and helps. I almost feel um, promote you know, that as an opportunity, like right, right now, when I look at the overwatch league and, and over the, you know, really three seasons we've, we've seen, I feel that one of the reasons why there is this constant sort of churn of players, but also the, the, the drain is that it is, arguably an experience that these kids aren't prepared for. And to some respect, that's where I believe that grassroots opportunity, or at least the a foundation allows them to, instead of diving in to the deep end and hoping to, to be able to swim, they can see if it's actually for them and it's something they want to pursue. And it was still interesting to see OGN kind of thrive for a, a few seasons, even before mm-hmm. it, it, with the shackles imposed, by Blizzard not you know branding it as the Overwatch tournament that it kind of was, but still it kind of like happened. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Another question I actually just want to ask you, and it has more to do with something that has happened in traditional sports, um, not all that frequently, but we've seen instances of match fixing or, or the fact that there is sort of, you know, a, a gaming aspect or a, a betting aspect that can exist within, I'm going to use Overwatch as an example. There are often accusations made that players throw matches, uh, maybe not in the competitive sense within Overwatch oh. League. So you're putting money on the opposite team all the time when we were playing together? Is that the thing? 
Well, when yeah, when Team RSP <laughs> is playing, trust me, I'm not betting on us. Oh, okay, but but how how does something like that get dealt with? Like, I I understand the league can put into place some structure that requires players to perform to a certain standard, but there's only so much that they can do, and I can't imagine it. Like, I would, I I think it has to happen. It's just a pure percentage. So is that a concern that esports should have um, in regards to almost legitimacy in the space? Yeah, I think it is. And I mean, there's been, you know, match fixing scandals. I think in Korea, people have gone to jail over match fixing. Mm-hmm. I don't know about but I think in StarCraft and, and other games. And, you know, just because the industry is so new, uh, there's a lot of like tournaments that are, you know, there's major and there's small tournaments. There's um, the salaries aren't that high. The incentives are there for max match fixing a lot more in esports than there are in traditional sports. In traditional sports, no player is going to risk their career or make millions of dollars a year to fix a game. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe in some like very small minor soccer league where they don't make a lot of money. Sure, uh, yeah. that's why in soccer actually I know more match fixing issues than other sports. But in esports, you know, players don't make as much money as in traditional sports yet. Um, there's not a lot of structure around these tournaments, not a lot of policing. There's no, people are stri- trying to create sort of governing bodies, but there's nothing very strong, uh, out there yet that sort of like regulates this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, it is, it's a bit of a wild west. So it's a lot more of a potential issue in esports than in traditional sports. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of players, top players were entrepreneurial, we'll call it with boosting on the side before, uh, they were able to, you know, get a paycheck, so to speak. And this this has been a much bigger issue in Korea, where where uh, usually players are way more criticized over this matter. Uh, would you say, like, um, if we are bringing up the the Korean aspect, uh, how big of a difference, how how far behind we are we with uh, how esports is perceived legally in Korea as opposed to like in here in North America? Um, I, I don't claim to be an expert on Korean law and, and this kind of stuff. Um, I do know they they take video games very seriously right. from a legal perspective. There, like they have, mm-hmm. uh, there's laws against uh, creating cheats for games, for example. That are, that's actually punishable by jail now in Korea. Uh, I think match fixing as well. There's all sorts of stuff in there that, you know, if, if you try to pass that here, I think like you know. The BC government tried to out like outlaw creating cheats for games and you know give you <laughs> created like laws that gave you jail time for doing that. I think people would just be like, oh, would kind of laugh them off. It's a bit much, <laughs> but yeah. But in Korea, I guess you know games are so a lot more ingrained in society than they are here. So that's that's yeah. not sort of outlandish that stuff like that happens. Do you think that is the future? Uh, I don't know. I think we're still a ways away um, mm-hmm. from from that. I think, you know, esports are definitely getting a lot more popular here, but I think like they're still far ahead in, in, in Korea and other places um, compared to where they are here. Maybe in a couple, 20 years, something like that. <laughs> you know, again, sort of jumping to what, uh, what Ani brought up as to Korea, I mean, we think about the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League and, and many esports leagues. They're, they're international leagues. While they may operate, so the Overwatch League, I think, functionally exists in Los Angeles, but as a league is international with teams around the globe. 
how complex is it for a team to have to navigate the legal landscape? Because what might fly here, let's say in Vancouver, may not fly in Korea. Uh, and so that would almost put teams into different, you know, I guess, competitive positions, so to speak. Um, I think there's some legal issues where you have to deal with, yeah, your home jurisdiction where stuff might differ, like uh, labor law, for example. Um, mm. You know, one thing in the development of traditional sports on when the NBA and the NFL were unionizing, they mostly have to deal with just U.S. law. Yeah. Uh, here, if something happens, I mean, you got teams on three different continents and four countries, five countries is now. Uh, anyway, you have... The league is a lot more spread out. It's a lot more international. So if anything happens, any kind of like league-wide collective bargaining agreement, anything like that, you have to account for the laws in, in all those jurisdictions, which is going to be a bit of a mess, um, mm -hmm. especially if the players decide to unionize. Like, because there's you know specific requirements on under labor law about how you certify a union, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, you know, those apply in the U.S. only. I I don't know what the labor laws in in China or Korea are. In the UK, I'm sure they're different. So how do you how do you handle that if mm -hmm. players want to unionize? Yeah, and I I'm I think there if we look at traditional sports, there might be an answer or some similarity there that could be drawn upon. But you know, to your earlier point as to the length of a player's career and the amount of money that's involved, I've I've never really thought of it that way when it comes to the players sort of forming some form of representative body, like a players' association. Maybe not a full union, but something that can collectively negotiate on their behalf. And it almost occurs to me that it may not seem to be worth the effort because if there is a, a labor disruption, that could potentially be your pro career and off you go to do whatever it is you plan on doing in your mid twenties. It, it just blows my mind. I'm obviously not in the 20 year old demographic that a career happens in five or six years in your late teens, early twenties. I still can't wrap my mind around that. That's why we have yeah. all these uh, veterans in their 23rd, 23rd year and they decide to retire due to old age. Yeah. <laughs> then you start streaming and you start making more money than you're making as a player. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and actually I want to sort of quickly touch on the streaming side of things. Um, while not specifically related to esports, it is definitely a, a career path that we've seen many esports professionals take. How complex or, or what some complexities would a player encounter making that transition? I mean, the one that that strikes me as as being something that they I see constantly from players' perspective based on their streams, they don't quite understand that in the United States the DMCA is not their friend. It's you, there are no easy ways to get around that. And we're now starting to see that become a much bigger issue, whether it's related to the pandemic and whomever it is realizing that streaming has a huge audiences and therefore rights need to be upheld. Uh, but then we also see the complexity in BlizzCon line where Metallica was able to perform a song of their own on broadcasting services, not named Twitch as a, relates to how Twitch uh, interpreted the DMCA. So like, what's that legal landscape there? I mean, it, it, is that something that might be modernized or are we sort of looking at even sort of the example you raised earlier 
no appetite uh, from any government to explore that in any great detail. Yeah, I mean, the the DMCA situation on Twitch in the last you know, six months to a year has been like a bit of a mess, uh, just mm -hmm. a little bit of a gong show. Uh, you know, the principle that, you know, these rights holders have the right to their music and they, if they want to prevent people from using it, they should be able to do that. I mean, I don't necessarily have that big an issue with that. Like, it is what it is. Like, that's how, sure. that's how it works for restaurants and everywhere else. But just the way that DMCA is implemented, like, some situations, like, people getting in, in trouble for, you know, streaming a game soundtrack and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. As you said, the Metallica got themselves DMCA somehow because I assume their record label um, basically automatically did it. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, I'd have to say Twitch's response to these DMCA's, there's not a lot of transparency on exactly what will get you in trouble and what won't, what songs will, how the progressive discipline works. Um, you know, the fact that people got their channel, all their previous vo uh, videos deleted or they got banned, et cetera, for stuff that from videos they made six months ago. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit ridiculous to me. Like Twitch could have just muted these videos instead of like people mm -hmm. having to go back and go through every single one of their videos and check for copyrighted songs. Um, it, it's a mess. There, there has to be a better way to do this. Um, honestly, but the DMCA isn't going to change. I don't, again, I'm not a U.S. lawyer. I, I'm not, yeah, but as far as I know, I don't think there's any appetite to substantially change how the process works anytime soon. Mm -hmm. It's not a perfect process, but it is what it is. Um, I think it's more on Twitch to just create a sort of a more transparent approach to dealing with these kinds of issues, telling you exactly this is what you can't do. If you do it, this is what will happen. And sort of giving people some predictability on this stuff, which there really isn't right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the more recent example and i'm actually going to use sort of call of duty as as the um the game uh, they've introduced within warzone uh essentially war tracks music that plays while you're driving a vehicle some of which are pretty popular songs and if you happen to be let's say streaming and you you're smart you've turned those off so Obviously, you don't want those tracks to potentially put you in any trouble. But then someone else in your game happens to have that on and it plays through your stream. There isn't much you can do about that short of, I'm not going to play this game because I'm that worried. Or another example where we saw, um, and I use Twitch specific again as sort of the king of the castle when it comes to streaming right now, but also where DMCA is quite messy. Um, someone happened to be doing a live blog on the street, the music's getting yeah. played from a restaurant just or a pub or whatever. Yeah. And that's someone who sees a DMCA issue. I like, I, I, I don't understand that. I am not necessarily, I have no problem with whomever owns the rights exercising those rights. It's just, it seems in my mind that there is this lack of what I would call common sense, which I know yeah. is, not a legal argument. Not else. even uh, single player games are uh, safe. Uh, if you if you don't know, like GTA games, they get patched mm. as uh, tracks uh, on the radio that's playing in the single player game. They the, the license runs out, so they patch out songs. So yeah, they they've been uh, quite. Uh, I don't I don't want to 
cause this stream to go uh this podcast to not be family friendly so let's just leave it at that yeah it's a policy it's it's pretty ridiculous i mean it's kind of inherent in the process like the record companies have these this automated software that just kind of when a song pops up they can send the dmca automatically i'm 99 percent sure they don't go one by one and no yeah. human looks at the stuff and then when twitch gets yeah. a dmca request they have to honor it or they're you know in trouble legally so just by the way the process works inherently that like, it just leads to these kind of ridiculous outcomes yeah. what what i think will happen honestly uh you know give it a, a few years i think the record companies will just go to twitch and say give us x percent of your revenue you can play all our songs um and that's where things will end up but until then we have this ridiculous system that's we have to deal with sure um as we look to sort of you know wrap up our our time together i want to sort of bring it back to the overwatch league and sort of give you a hypothetical scenario if i'm a i'm a young player i'm i've been approached by a team uh they want to sign me uh to a contract would you have any th- recommendations for me as to what path I should follow? Is there anything I should do? Like what, what would that look like if I was that new player? Uh, but general recommendation is just get, get legal advice, get a mm-hmm. speak with an agent, speak with a lawyer, uh, get the contract look, look over, looked over. Uh, not just for the contract itself. Like, you know, you need to worry about you know, your taxes, your financial situation, all that stuff. Uh, your immigration situation, um, your team may not handle that. So there's all sorts of things to look at. Um, you know, a lot of these players, they're very young. They're just kids. They're, it's not stuff they really deal with. So it's it's best mm-hmm. to speak to somebody who knows about stuff. Gotcha. And would it matter as to, let's say I'm Canadian. Like, let's say I get signed does it matter if I come and let's say knock on your door or should I be knocking on the door of someone within the industry? Um, I know there's a lot of player representation out there, different organizations, you know, like, is, is there, cause you had mentioned that there's really no catch all here. So should I have a couple <laughs> lawyers on hand, so to speak? Because again, like Overwatch is international. I'm Canadian, might be U.S., Generally, I find if you you talk to one person, whether it's a manager or a lawyer or somebody else, they'll know what you need and they'll get you in touch with the other people that you need to speak uh, sort of essentially. Anybody who's any good will have, you know, a lawyer will have a manager or an agent can put you in touch with accountants, all that kind of stuff and vice versa. So if you catch somebody in that network, they'll put you in touch with anybody else. Cool, cool, cool. So as we uh, look to, to wrap up our, our time together, first of all, thank you again for joining us uh, here on Ready, Set, uh, Pwn. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you as well, getting um, your perspective on, on the legal landscape. I and mean, we've, in our previous episodes, talked about instances, you know, Alex and I here, where um, we've hazarded guesses based on our own life experience. And unless Alex became a lawyer or got called to the bar in the last two weeks, um, <laughs> we have the legal education provided to us from our adult learning backgrounds. So thank you for, for helping us uh, become, you know, better educated in these. Yeah, I, th- I think it's also a good thing to have a lawyer on board regardless, you know, <laughs> in case some music yep. starts playing outside of our window. <laughs> well, you know what they say, if there weren't so many lawyers, we wouldn't need so many lawyers. 
<laughs> awesome. So, um, any final, you know, thoughts that you'd like to, to share with our listeners there before uh, we let you go? Uh, not much. Uh, I guess I'm going to plug my Twitter at Mary Sodomica. Mm-hmm. I run a blog. It's called uh, the patch notes, www.thepatchnotes.com. Uh, I also recently co-founded a management agency with the guys at uh, the gaming stadium. Uh, it's called discover management. Uh, and influence out there. We need representation. Feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Marius, for joining us. Uh, we're going to take ourselves a short break uh, before we dive into the fray. As we kick off the fray here, first and foremost, I want to again thank Marius for joining uh, you know, Omni and I. Uh, it was a good conversation. Um, I, I love that he was able to provide us some perspective. Um, obviously, it is somewhat difficult due to the complexity of international law and the fact that there's a variety of different uh, um, you know, types of law involved, labor law, um, you know, business law, property law. The DMCA, which we talked about, which I don't think anyone understands. But uh, I would uh, sing like DMCA, but probably that is going to oh, get yeah. strike as well. Yeah, this podcast is over now. You, I'm <laughs> going to get an email from Apple. It's done. Game uh, yeah. But uh, Marius uh, has expressed interest in coming back. And uh, as a result, if you think there are other questions, we should follow up with them on. Uh, or if we, can, we require legal protection. Yeah, let us know. We'll, we'll obviously reach out. But if you're wanting to find him on, on Twitter, um, it's uh, Marius Adomnica. It's M-A-R-I-U-S-A-D-O-M-N-I-C-A. Uh, give him a follow and let him know that Team RSP sent you. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening going on in the Overwatch League. There is a hot rumor that uh, Rascal has finally found himself a team. Uh, according to uh, Halo, Halo of Thoughts, he is reporting that Rascal is signing with the Philadelphia Fusion. And this is a result of the Fusion encountering some visa-related difficulties and getting uh, their players over to Korea. Yeah. It's not official, but Halo has had a pretty solid track record this offseason when it comes to players yeah. signing with teams, including teams getting rid of players. So I'm going to give this one to him. I'm not shocked that Rascal goes to the Fusion, but this just makes the Fusion yeah. an even better team. Another case of the rich get richer. Yeah. I- it was no secret that he had offers. Obviously, he's a great talent, and then he discussed this in the past. Maybe it was a matter of, of money. Maybe it was a matter of going to a team that has a chance to win. Uh, unfortunately, I don't like the side, obviously, of, of players like EQO, who's also like included in the rumor of having Visa being in Visa Hell. So mm-hmm. I, I wish them to resolve that as soon as possible. Uh, but nonetheless, a great acquisition, and, and I wish him well. Yeah. And from 
you know, the replies that, uh, you know, Halo has shared, someone had asked about Shockwave being the player that was having these issues, and, and Halo had suggested that wasn't the case, uh, Shockwave being a former Vancouver Titan. Um, but I would have to think that if Rascal were to sign with the Fusion, this impacts whether or not Shockwave gets into the, the regular lineup um, beyond either performance or shifts in meta. Or am I maybe thinking too, too uh, broadly here? I think, like, maybe, maybe not. Shockwave did show a lot of, of prowess on, on heroes that Rascal isn't known to be great at, like a, a Widowmaker that Shockwave somehow pulled out with playing on, on very high ping. The Echo, sure. Um, yeah, they do have a lot of overlap, but both are very talented with the deep Deep, deep, deep hero pool. Uh, kind of like EQO again. Like they, they will definitely eat, eat from each other's playtime. Uh, and and on, uh, we, they also have this uh, dude who's pretty good. I think Carpe is his name. So I don't know. Unless they uh, go back to like, uh, uh, you know, removing the two to two, they they're gonna suffer a little bit of uh, less. Uh, a playtime that they would normally get on like 90% of the teams in the league. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, time will obviously tell us to whether or not uh, um, all of the DPS lineup of, of Philadelphia will find their way to Korea. But uh, the fact that if there is sort of visa related issues uh, in, in moving the team to, to Korea, it is unfortunate it's happening so late in the game because if that results in a player not being able to play, yeah. you know, let's say you know Ikio is is having visa related issues, I think he gets picked up by another team. But now, oh, have him? No, yeah, totally. But <laughs> but that's the thing is that that there will be teams looking for him, but not necessarily as many that would have been, let's say, if it was earlier in the off season. Sure. Um, Halo also suggested that the Los Angeles Valiant uh, have a few players in mind. Uh, one of the players that he initially had reported that was going to be making a return to the Overwatch League was Crystal, though he then uh, went to correct himself, suggesting that it was simply a translation issue. Oh, he's, um, he still wants to hang out with his family and, and girlfriend, so he's not available yet. But uh, he also inferred that the Los Angeles Valiant are simply looking to have a team. And that if they happen to win a match or two, that is defined as a successful season. I'm just, it is such a mess. I don't, I can't imagine that there would actually be a plan where we just need players like that. They would go that approach, but let's say they do. You've, you've gone and done a disservice to your brand already. And now you're going to go and give people nothing to cheer for. Like, if that if there's truth to what Halo is suggesting here, that team is done as an LA brand. Like there there are no LA fans. I think that 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 continue cheering them on, supporting them. Um, it that's that's a team that has to relocate. And if they don't, and they come back, hope that they can find fans out out of market. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, teams in LA, however, the Steel Series Invitational Tournament uh, took place, and uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators were one of four teams invited to it. You had the Gladiators, the Boston Uprising, the Paris Eternal, and the uh, London Spitfire. The tournament itself was single knockout, uh, essentially first to three. So you had uh, Boston, I think, faced up against, I want to say, Paris. 
and it was Gladiator Spitfire, I believe. Uh, Boston winning their match uh, 3-2, the Glads winning 3-2, and then Gladiators and Uprising played each other. And while the Uprising looked real good in their first match, they didn't look horrible in the second, but the Gladiators were by far the better of those two teams. So the Glads won, coming in first place within the Invitational. Boston Uprising came in a respectable second. And then uh, Paris and London, they both lost their first, and that was that for them. So they, you could argue, are third or fourth, depending on perspective. Mm-hmm. And still, they played quite well. I, it was super refreshing to see competitive Overwatch again. Like uh, <laughs> this game is so good. I'm super biased, but I, I, I just enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Gladiators, they looked awesome. Um, the rest of the teams, they also didn't look half as bad. Obviously. We should take it with a grain of salt. Although I did like that they did play for some money, and that's why they mm-hmm. didn't like run meme comps all the time. So we got to see a lot of, of you know, in meta adjustments and depending on the map. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the results I do believe will influence power rankings as we get closer to the season. Boston oh, yeah. Uprising, uh, Paris Eternal, and to some respects the Spitfire we're all considered to be a lower tier team, uh, similar to where the Vancouver Titans are currently ranked on most. A few power rankings that I've seen where shifts have occurred, uh, the uprising have been the team to gain the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still believe there are many out there that are sleeping on the uprising. I think they're a better team than, yeah. than people are giving them credit for. But I also understand that the performance that we saw from them in the Steel Series Invitational is not entirely indicative of how they'll perform within the Overwatch League in in, in, all, yeah. in general, simply because of the quality of play they'll see beyond the the matchups they got to, got there. I know, like uh, I think in esports, especially like compared to traditional sports, we still have a long ways to go to uh, let go a little bit of our you know, preconceptions and thinking like, oh, team A is so much better than team B and it's impossible for them to, you know, even have a chance. And like when the game is played, these are all professional players and they're all good. So a lot of uh, uh, power rankings are always wrong. It's it's never, And people are always acting so shocked and surprised at the end of the season, but it happens all the time. Yeah. And the only power rankings that are never wrong are ours because ours, we use the yeah. power of science. We need to work on those really quick because this season is a coming. I know. And I, okay, again, the reason why I'm so apprehensive to do so is that, well, one, I mean, like, look, let's look at the Vancouver Titans. Are they playing um, separately on different ping? Like, there are things we don't know. Um, well, we can answer them with science, though. So that's all true. Good. Science, science tells everything. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess you are right. We should probably work on them soon. <laughs> what else has happened? Uh, well, within the game, as uh, I, I talked about, there was a massive patch, huge patch, the biggest patch to end all patches. As Omni suggested, maybe it was Overwatch 2 preloading so that we can get it uh, mm-hmm. now as opposed to you know 20 years when it comes out. Um, I'm not entirely sure what a rebase is. But that's what the patch was. Probably file uh, structuring. It was, yeah, it was essentially a much larger patch because of a rebase. But that patch only included uh, some fixes, uh, general content updates. There's some workshop adjustments, uh, a couple new uh, features within workshop, but no, you know, player adjustments. Uh, no character adjustments took uh, or happened. There are a few in in experimental right now. 
And if experimental updates uh, follow the trend we've seen as of late, they will flow through to production. Mm -hmm. um, Farah is going to have uh, yeah. the ability to stay in the sky a whole lot uh, more frequently. Uh, your shield with Sigma won't be as slow yeah. to, to recast. Your your heal is May is going to be a little bit better. Uh, Genji is getting a little bit of a buff, but then his alt is also going to take mm -hmm. a little bit longer to, to acquire. I mean, no, the, the yeah. minor, minor adjustments. Yeah. Like you are... said, usually when they're not like groundbreaking or revolutionary, they tend to go as planned into the live server. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking that these, these adjustments are what we're likely going to see the overwatch league use when this patch goes live. It's, it's possible. We'll get obviously in five weeks, maybe two, type two patches, but I think the size of this experimental patch right now is indicative of probably the, the bigger shift. If, if anything was it, was the pun intended? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but it also, really said pawn, all the pawns are always intended. Uh, also included in this patch was the Pachamari challenge. Now, I don't know how I missed this. Um, but uh, the Pachamari challenge is essentially the introduction of some skins and sprays. I mean, it's not really a, a challenge in so much as it's an event to get a skin. Uh, it's also an emote uh, for, for Junkrat. Um, I'm disappointed, though. I, I am disappointed in this, this, this challenge. Do you want to know why? Sure. It's advertised that Pachamaris will be falling from the sky in Hanamura. I read about that somewhere, but it wasn't happening. I did play a game on Hanamura. It's not happening. False. Maybe. If, 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 I, I mean, maybe it was never intended to happen, but I've, they've shown so many videos of it that I wanted Pachamari to be falling from the sky. Imagine if there's like a secret switch, switch somewhere in that like arcade and only when you press it. Oh, that would, that would, be, sick. Be, that would be next level. Like, you know, there are games, like games have started to introduce yeah. that level of complexity to Easter egg. Like I'll use Call of Duty as an example with Warzone is that there have been, you know, Easter eggs that have been introduced where, you know, phones are ringing and you answer them and it says a number and I think it's in Russian. And then you have to take those numbers and get a code to get into a bunker like that type of stuff. Wouldn't that be cool if, again, I don't think that level of complexity could exist within one map in Overwatch. Oh, but yeah, you're right. Silly like that. It could work, I think. And maybe not in the arcade, because if you're in the arcade at the start, you would miss out on, on all the Pachamari falling from the sky. But maybe no, having I mean, it just in the, that... The switch is somewhere hidden there, and then like they would fall everywhere. Just is a constant stream or just like a one and done? I don't know. Like it See, would it interfere a, with the game itself. Well, if it was a constant stream, I think it would also require a lot more processing power than the <laughs> game's probably able to put out. Keep in mind when they rejigged the the Symmetra alt, uh, there were a few matches in in Mystery and No Limits where multiple sim alts when cast caused the game to fail. Oh, but maybe that's why this patch is so big. <laughs> they fixed it. <laughs> yeah. Now no, you if, can have all the Pachimari falling. So if all the, but that's, there's that room. It, it's like the, I don't know what the room is, but you know what I'm talking about? The big, the mega health just before the, the door. Yeah. Um, they could have like the switch in there or something like that. Could be. Could be. Right. Or maybe associated to the vending machine just to the left or, or something. And we're thinking through. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the Roadhog skin isn't bad. Um, Roadhog's getting a whole lot of For skin. Epic skin? Yeah, he has, he has received two good epic skins so far. Yeah. Uh, we've got an emote uh, with Junkrat. I haven't and seen then, that one. Uh, and, well, that's, he's squeezing the Pachamari. Hmm. And then, uh, and then we've got some sprays and and the like. I mean, it's it's the the usual fare. Um, unlike sort of past challenges, when you log into Overwatch during this event, you earn all of the special Pachamari right, themed cosmetics. Not not all the skins, but like all of the sort of icons. Claire icons. And then you you then start to unlock more awards through your you know nine wins. Mm-hmm. Um, your Pachamari Roadhog, your um, player icon for the first three, and your your Junkrat emote uh, for your first six. Uh, Epic Roadhog is, is your nine. And then from there, you can also watch uh, content creators playing. So like, you know, uh, Toronto Defiance Karku, he is actually going to be live when this episode goes live, March 10th from 11 to 7 Pacific. Nice. Uh, so for those of you at East, stay tune in from 2 until 10 uh, p.m. Eastern. Uh, Fran is is not listed, though I am sure Fran is obviously going to be going to be playing. But yeah, there we have it. We have a show. It's a little short. I mean, obviously, we had a phenomenal guest, Marius, join us. But uh, beyond that, knowing it was going to be a little bit lighter in the content, that's why we brought in a guest. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask if anyone out there has other guests in mind, people that you would love to hear on our show, please, please let us know. You can reach out to us on Twitter at ReadySetPone, or you could shoot us an email, feedback at ReadySetPone.com. But yeah, I mean, two weeks from now, we'll be, what, three weeks away from a season? We'll probably be doing power rankings at some point. we got to start yeah. to consider our season preview episodes and how sure. we'll structure those. Who knows? Maybe we'll do our season preview in the second week of the season by the time I get around to it. <laughs> right. Well, I, power rankings are sort of a season preview in a way. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, we're obviously more focused on the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. That's also true, right? So I'd like to maybe take a deeper dive. And so we're just going to put them like first and second on the power rankings, and that's we're just going to justify that throughout the episode with science. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Toronto Defiant A team and B team are first and second. They don't have enough players to have an A team and a B team. No, but that's 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 how bullish I am on the Vancouver Titans. No. Oh, they're going to be second after the defined for sure. Second as in two zero? No, second in the league out of twenty. Well, you're <laughs> you're very optimistic here. I'm just trying to draw in some uh, some um, new listeners, you know. Yeah, the, the, pos- <laughs> the positive ones, the optimistic ones. Yeah. It's a good thing we have Marius on our side now. Nobody that's can, true you know yeah we got us after this i'm 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 pretty sure guesting on our show means we he's now our lawyer that's oh totally yeah how it works. he's he? on retainer yeah because of a guest spot oh man if we ever got to that point where we needed a lawyer that might be the end <laughs> of the show <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, man can't wait i I, I hope that cricket sound effect wasn't uh copyrighted oh who knows maybe it was maybe i'm gonna get that again we're off apple because of the you know the cricket crickets trademark yeah it's 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 owned by like you know nike or something like that. mother nature inc 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Oculus Quest 2 now. Nice. I have a Oculus Rift S, I think it's called. Ooh, so you're tethered. Yeah, I'm tethered as hell. Yeah. I, okay, I don't, maybe the Rift is of the sort of same experience, but I was completely blown away by the quality of mm-hmm. VR. Like I was thinking Google Cardboard quality. Like I have a Google Cardboard, which if you don't, you can't get them anymore from Google. They're not producing them. But yeah, that's what I thought VR was like. And then I get this Oculus Quest 2 and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it hits you different. It, it does. And what am I doing? I'm spending so much time playing Beat Saber. It is a it's phenomenal very game. Good. Very good. You should stretch before playing. It's also a workout. You're lucky that it's still like not summer. In summer, it's like, uh, oh my goodness, you sweat buckets. Yeah, I got the, I got like a silicone uh, sort of, oh, you know, face thing to go over like the, mm. the, the actual sort of fabric one, which was yeah. smart a smart uh, acquisition considering uh, the amount of sweat that gets generated when I'm slicing squares that only I can see. And my wife and daughter question my existence for, they just don't get it. I should, I should cast what I see to the TV screen so they can at least understand why I'm like mm. dancing around and swinging my arms. I haven't tried and, it yet. No, I haven't tried casting because I, I, I. No, no, no. They didn't try like Beat Saber. Oh, yet. well, I'm not going to put it on my daughter's head. Well, yeah, she's too small for that. And then my wife has not shown any interest so far. <laughs> um, Lena's always pestering me to let her play Beat Saber. Yeah. Well, I, I think like your wife in comparison to my wife are a very contrast of wives. Like. You know, oh, and how they approach video games and stuff? Yes. Gotcha. Yes, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. Yes. yes um but yeah no that's that's what i've been up to a whole lot of beat saber because you know why not and then i've been playing a lot of warzone as of late i'm a i'm a heavy mm-hmm. carry but uh I i've been playing it. a lot of chess lately on chess.com and when i started out i i was dumb i i i you know i didn't change like it asks you when you create your your account what what mm-hmm. level you are at chess and i wrote like oh i played before which i did like when i was very little and i was and it put me at this rank of like, uh, I don't know, 1500. This was really high. So I lost so many games. But finally, I got to the point where I broke even and I'm at like 500 now. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so are you going pro in the chess circuit? Oh, no. I'm just like, like in Overwatch, imagine like you fall like way down into bronze and then you finally realize, oh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better than these guys. And you you grow a little bit. And then you <laughs> suddenly get into silver. And, and then there's like... a plateau. But it's yeah. so fun. It's so fun. Chess.com is really, really uh, a good platform. Chess has really taken off. Uh, yeah, it, it did. It did. It's kind of like what drove me back to play, like from Hikaru and other streamers. Yeah, the um, it, it semi-related to Overwatch in a way because XQC was kind of the catalyst. Yeah, is XQC streaming again? Because he had himself that uh, that suspension. I haven't. Actually uh, seen. yeah, he participated yeah. in the chess tournament recently. Okay. He's pretty okay. good, actually. Yeah. Compared no. to me, at least. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been playing chess outside of, you know, I said Warzone. I've also been playing Valheim, the early access uh, sort of Viking survival oh, game. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Great reviews. It's it's oh. pretty cool. Like, it it's it plays on a potato, essentially, because mm. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's it's polygonal or voxel. Right. It's not voxel, it's more polygonal, but um, it's it's got a phenomenal atmosphere, and it's pretty cool if you play with friends. So, like a community I'm part of, uh, someone stepped up. Um, put some money towards a server and so we we sort of play collectively together on it and we're currently like buildings or crazy castle stuff like like that 
I'll but be happy if, to join if you want to teach me. Yeah, if anyone wants to play, um, I will tell you a word of advice. The trees are the real end game boss. <laughs> if it is falling, don't be underneath. Timber. Don't be anywhere near. Yeah, it, it's satisfying when you cut down a tree and it takes out a mob. It's less than satisfying really? when you cut really? down a tree and it takes out your friends. I that's that's a pretty cool mechanic actually like i remember in old racing games trees were indestructible too also the final boss and the like mm-hmm. the biggest villain yeah but they didn't kill you well they killed well, your chance of winning but yeah no these these ones it's 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 end of days <laughs> like for anyone who comes out of Fortnite, where you're like i chop down trees to get wood to build structure right, right. um <laughs> you do the same thing in, in valheim but the trees fight back they'll chop you uh, so anyhow, as we wrap up our show, uh, any final words of wisdom for all of our listeners there, Ani? Uh, International Women's Day was uh, this week, so a big shout out to our lady listeners, friends, and family members. You are all super awesome. I don't know how to follow that up because that's exactly Just what join in. I was <laughs> I was actually going oh, to, really? to say and celebrate that uh, great minds, you know, this week we did see the celebration of international women's day. I was actually going to sort of take that a step further and suggest if there are uh, lady listeners out there that uh, want to join on the NI to bring not only a different perspective to the show, but obviously a whole lot more class, um, please mm-hmm. reach out to us. I'd love to, to, you know, help uh, get your voice on the show and, and maybe make a thing of it. It would be pretty right. cool. I think it would give us some and, diversity and that we lack. Please don't be a guy who just fakes his voice like Sam tried uh, this week. He tried, oh, I want to come back to the show, but we wouldn't let him. Well, no, he's gone fully into like uh, NBA <laughs> ETF. What's it, NBA Top Shot, the the basketball um, ETF? Uh, yeah, I think so. I haven't looked too much into it. Yeah, he he's 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 writing for like the Daily Hive here in Vancouver now. He's totally left us. I totally see what what's what's happened. If, if you see a <laughs> if you see a podcast called Ready Set Ball, it's because he's ripped off my my IP, and I'm sending our new lawyer friend after. <laughs> uh, can we afford oh, him though? Probably no, not. No, no, not a, not even close. Join Patreon today. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Ready Set Phone. <laughs> Help fund our lawyer. Uh, you can find us online. We're at twitter.com slash ready set phone, facebook.com slash ready set phone, and instagram.com slash ready set phone. But more importantly, join our Discord community where some of the best conversations take place. Uh, joining Discord is as easy as going to discord.io slash ready set phone. It's a friendly place. You can talk about the Titans. You can talk about the Defiant. We've got people that actually talk about the Boston Uprising as well. Overwatch League chatter. Right now, the focus has actually been mostly on gear, technology, and uh, the building of computers. But uh, please, swing on by and say hello. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time, as I said earlier, unless some crazy, crazy big news were to break. And I would imagine we're going to go and get back into the weekly swing of things soon after that. So when that occurs, you'll get to tune in each and every week at high noon Pacific on Wednesdays. But for the time being, we'll be back in two weeks. So on behalf of Ani at Ani Strife, myself, Chris at Lightforce, going to sign off this episode with those words that you've been waiting for. Catchphrase!